Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzing About Romance. I am Becky, and I am super excited for this extra large episode we have. Um, we are joined by Carolina. Hey, Carolina. Hey. Um, and Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Hi, Becky. And Heather is here. Hey, Heather. Hey, Becky. And Leah. Hi, Leah. Hi there. Um, so we haven't had an all-encompassing group episode like this since um, our Reads of the Year episode earlier in, um, or back in December, earlier in the year. Yeah. You know, it's the been last a hot one. Minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice to see everyone's faces, and we are back in the groove. Note, Jenny, I didn't try to introduce it like a quick shot, like I did last week. I know. <laughs> um, if you have not listened to the episode on books, blurbs, and spoilers, or blurb spoilers and teasers, I highly encourage you. Um, did you listen to it today, Jenny? I did. And how much dying did you do at the teasers are bookworm edging? There's there's some really good out of context quotes in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. We should just we need to bring that back and share those. It was, it was a lot. I was listening <laughs> to was. today because I'm trying to write down uh points for something for a different project and I'm like, why do I say things? What is wrong with me? <laughs> so, you know. Um Staying on brand. That's the goal, right, guys? Yes, this is true. Um, Okay, so our romance term of the week this week was requested by podcast listener Gretchen. She asked us to define golden retriever energy. And is it the same as a cinnamon roll? I'm interested in this as well. Um, So I guess I'm not going to Carolina for the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, so when we say golden retriever energy, um, we are talking about a hero that is a lot of energy, but the energy doesn't always have to be like running or hyper energy. They're just very um, enthusiastic about mm-hmm. whatever is in their lives. So, um, Hockey players, honestly, Aaron Wild has golden retriever energy. He, yeah. he's. Ex- I feel like a lot of Sawyer's heroes have golden retriever energy. Yeah, I mean, these are characteristics of like, he's a good boy. Like, he just is such a good guy, <clears throat> and you don't know what to do with them. <laughs> Stop laughing, we, Carolina. And we do sometimes refer to them as frat boy puppies. Also, I was gonna say they're sort of go with the flow, kind of laid back, don't get their feathers on a ruffle very quickly. But they can also hyper focus on something like mm-hmm. you know, like a golden retriever. You give them a ball, they love that ball, that is their until ball. they see a squirrel. And so, a lot of times, like in a romance, if we say he has golden retriever energy, you know, we're talking like he loves his heroine. And he is there for his heroine. And actually, Carolina and I recorded a quick shot for Something Unexpected by Vi Keeland. And while Beck is very much an alpha hero, he has a little bit of that golden retriever energy. Yeah. It's such a good book. Um, Melissa Foster also writes some really good 
golden mm-hmm. retriever energy ones. And I'm trying to think of the one. Uh, Levi. Gosh. Levi has Levi golden definitely retriever. has. Yes. Levi, he definitely has. But what's the one he has the dog and the heroine is like his best friend and she builds stuff. He has the bar. Um, I'll look it up. Okay. okay. There's so many. I'm like going through like series <laughs> and heroes. I'm like, wait, that one doesn't have a dog. He works in a bar, but he, he doesn't break, have a dog. He, he hurts his ankle, and so she has to come in. Oh, and help take um, care of him. Harley, Harley, and Piper. Yeah, is it Harley? It's it's she's she's like honestly, she wears the pants in that relationship. But I love her so much. I think it's Harley. But what's the book title? I'm I'm looking for it. I stand by. Come back. It's book three in yes. her in the series. Like I can see it's, it. All. She loves me. She loves me. It's book three, Harmony Point, okay. in the Harmony Point series. Yes, yes, Piper and Harley. Look at you guys. Yep. <laughs> so so that's what we mean when we say golden retriever energy. Can a cinnamon roll have golden retriever energy? Yes. I don't think so. I think that they can. Jenny is dying right now because she knows where I'm going. In the sense where they have that softness to them. Because they're betas. Well, yes, they are. But I feel like a golden retriever energy can sometimes be a beta as well. No. Because they don't always have those alpha tendencies. I don't think they do, at least. Okay, because here's where we struggle. We all know how I feel about cinnamon roll heroes. We do. Not my fave. Um, but I think that for Golden Retriever, it ha- there has to be some enthusiasm, some energy and push that makes them this over-the-top, like, good boy. A beta hero is going to be much more subdued. A beta hero is going to be like a cocker spaniel. He's just, you know, he's going to have some moments of intensity. But for the most part, he's like a floofy rug that just dusts the carpet. Or maybe he's like a St. Bernard. Just, you know, he drools while he lays there. Like, I just, I don't think cinnamon, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like main character energy. You know, a submissive can have main character energy. Maybe a beta cinnamon roll not beta but beta um maybe they can have golden retriever energy but i think it's harder to do it well in a cinnamon roll hero i think that they can have those retriever elements that you want but it's not necessarily like overshadows their betaness don't you think cinnamon rolls lack intensity as a hero when written not always i just don't like that term i actually despise it which term the beta oh i hate it too does it ick you out is that an ick word i I don't like cinnamon rolls to begin with and i don't (laughs) like that in a man then so you know I don't know. I think my problem with the cinnamon roll hero is a lot of us have looked at them as to be the ultimate good guy, right? Like we look at cinnamon rolls as being the ultimate good guy. And um, I, 
I think we struggle with that term because they're not always perfectly squishy inside. Well, but I think that it there's this almost bias towards the the term where like there's this idea behind it and it's not necessarily who the characters are, but it's also I feel like sometimes when we can't figure out how to classify a hero, we kind of cinnamon roll them as a a dumping ground a dumping ground almost yes like they kind of don't really fit into any specific one so let's just call them a cinnamon roll because we're not really sure or are cinnamon (laughs) rolls just your average guy so they don't always make it into romance because if we wanted to read about an average guy like you know we probably don't because but the good cinnamon roll heroes i feel like that are in romance that that we love so much still like do a lot of the great things for their women it's mm-hmm. just done differently so mm-hmm. and we we did this episode but carolina do you have like who your favorite cinnamon roll hero might be that, why you gotta ask her questions okay. <laughs> i mean i know for that answer i know jenny loves a cinnamon roll hero like she loves a good guy she likes a friend. I do. But then, like, I look at Levi from uh, Between Never and Forever. He is not a cinnamon roll. No, he's not. And we read Rising West by Ali Styles. He is not a cinnamon roll. I am very diverse in my love for <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's like a Venn diagram again. Like you have that like small portion of like overlap where there's like these strange outliers that can be both a golden retriever and a cinnamon roll. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's not the same. It's not the same. No. no. And I think the cinnamon roll heroes are maybe not as memorable because they're just a, a lower key energy, which... I think it depends on what their love language is like because you have certain cinnamon roll heroes that really stand out but it depends on how they show their love Mm. like whether or not it makes it memorable true okay so on this episode of buzzing about romance um we are doing our first ever ask us anything episode Uh, Typically in the past, we would have done our Christmas in July and put moot books to the diehard test, Um, but I was not feeling very cheery, merry, or holly. So um, We've been in the dark era for a really long time, and it's hard to get out of it. Yeah, I just wasn't. It's like 9,000 degrees, and there is smoke in the sky again. I am not feeling. Yes, there is. Santa Claus. Um, Okay, so we're just going to ask some questions. And everybody's going to answer what they want to answer. No pressure. If you don't want to answer it, it's fine. Um, But I'm just going to ask a question. I'll pick somebody to answer. And then we'll just start our conversation from there. Some of these I were sent in by uh, listeners and social media people. So I will ask those. But we're just going to get off to the beginning here. Um, Carolina, who is your all-time favorite author? Damn. Apparently, Heather did not look at the doc that I sent. <laughs> really? What kind of question is that? Uh, that, wasn't, 
Oh, that was that number on one the on the list. Yes, it's right that there. Was, I feel like that one. was added at the last minute. That was a sneaky. It, it wasn't. It, it was there when I hey, 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 not. Oh. But I feel like that's an unfair question. Your name is not like, Carolina. Who's okay. your favorite kid? Or what's your favorite ride at Disney, Carolina? You can't yeah, answer like, that. No, I can't. Okay, I I am going to spin this the way that I want to answer this. Okay. okay. Um. I would say the author that is like, I love just about everything that I've ever read from them. And some of the books are hard to read. Jesus does not through. count. Jesus oh. cannot be your favorite author. Oh. <laughs> That's the worst. Why would you do that? Cheese and rice, Becky. Um, but every book that she writes makes me think. And that would be Kennedy Ryan. Good answer. That is a really good, good answer. answer. It's a really good author too. She is top tier. Also, now, I have a lot of other favorite authors that I would like. I would probably narrow things down to like my top ten list. I couldn't do like a top five, but one author gives lots of feels and makes me think is Kennedy Ryan. Yeah, she's pretty spectacular and a mm -hmm. nice human, right, Jenny? Mm -hmm. Yes, she is. Okay, Jenny, all-time favorite author. Yeah, I was prepared for this one, so. <laughs> Let me guess. Let me guess. <laughs> no, who Penny was Reed? it? Penny Reed. That's what I was yeah. going to say. I was like, Jenny's kind of, I knew that yeah, one. Yeah, I definitely had to bring that one. Like, she, like, reunited my love for romance, and she just does so much for the community as a whole as well. Like, she's not out there, like, trying to make the millions. She's helping other people, too. Yeah. another genuinely nice human being mm -hmm. exactly that that helps a lot if you want to be somebody's favorite author be a good mm -hmm. human um leah who's your all-time favorite author i don't have one because that's a really hard question okay. like honestly it it fluctuates like i have authors who i really enjoy that like make me ugly cry every time i read a book by them and then I have authors so like they make me laugh every time I read a book so I like I can't name one Heather who came unprepared for tonight's recording apparently <laughs> no I was totally prepared I have all my answers written like I always do except, except for one. this one is blank because I am such a mood reader that I pick up books based on my mood and so like my mood if I'm not enjoying a book or if I'm like not in the mood, I don't, I just stop reading it and then I come back to it. So I don't know. I don't have an answer. Okay. 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 Becky, what about you? Who um, is your favorite author? So I picked it solely on whose books I've reread or read the most of, and it's going to be Julie Garwood. I have read her entire backlist multiple times. There is not a book of hers that I can't, you know, tell you at least the basics of at least one of the characters' names and where it takes place. Um, and, you know, she was one of my firsts and her stories really stuck in my heart. And so, I mean, and while some of her books might not hold up in modern now reading, um, but the road that she paved to help us to get here is incredibly um, important. So I, I would go with Julie Garwood. And also a damn delightful human being she was. She was an amazing human. Um, okay, Heather, do you have a bookish pet peeve? I actually have two. 
So um, I don't really know where to start. Give them both. You mean? I'm going to go right off the bat. Um, When authors spell come, like the actual product wrong, um, it's not C-O-M-E, it's C-U-M. And like how they interchange that word when they're talking about it in the action. I don't know why. It like literally drives me crazy, which is dumb, but it really bugs me. Okay. That is a huge pet peeve of mine. What's another pet peeve? Um, People who shame people for what they read. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you are reading and it makes you happy and it brings you joy and it isn't harming other people, why do you care what other people are reading? Um, maybe dragon stuff isn't my deal, but I'm not going to shame you because that's what you like. Um, I think reading is reading and however makes you happy i'm not going to shame you for that yeah i don't disagree with that jenny do you have a bookish pet peeve i don't i mean not a very specific one like i think just uh like everyone trying to find their footing in the age of the internet um kind of starts a pet peeve of who's at fault and yeah like Amazon's not always the bad guy. I mean, they're not the good guy either, but yeah, yeah. they're not the bad guy. Yeah. And I see that because, you know, that's something that really bugs me, especially when an author is really being critical of authors that are in Kindle Unlimited. That you speak from a position of privilege because there's a lot of people that live in places that don't have comprehensive digital libraries. Mm -hmm. And there are places in the world that do not have digital libraries, period. And so as long as people are consuming books legally, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. And there would not be an indie book movement. We would not have indie publishing without Amazon. There were few authors that published previous to Amazon in its KDP alliteration. And it was hard. You didn't really have places to sell your books. Um, And then, you know, as we've moved forward, it, it it became a leveler. Like it made it possible for everybody to write their stories and put them on bookshelves. Um, So, yeah, I can see that. It's and it's hard too as a kid of the '90s because when we were growing up, Barnes and Noble is the devil. They came in and they closed small mom and pop bookstores in suburbia, and they were the devil. And it's hard for me to remember that Barnes Noble isn't really the villain anymore. Nobody's the villain. Mm-hmm. But when I lived, you know, small town USA, Barnes and Noble was the villain for a lot of the '90s. Um, okay, Carolina, bookish pet peeve. Um, one of mine is when the cover model does not match the character description. Yeah, that's uh, a big one. Drives me nuts because I am on the team model or team model on the cover. Like I love covers with the models, and but please, please match the description. If you can't find the right photo and you go with like a stock image that you think you like 
then change your descriptions or, or cut their head off. Um, like, yeah, or cut the head off, like the hair or like the goatee on the men. Or the other one is don't tell me it's a curvy heroine and you put a stick figure woman on the cover. Like, yep. it pisses me off. Yep. Not going to mm-hmm. disagree with that. Leah, what's your bookish pet peeve? My bookish pet peeve is one I've talked about. It's where there are still people in this world who think that unless you're eyeballing a book, you are not reading. If you have to use your fingers to read, or if you are listening to your book, or you are reading a comic book, like it does not matter. There are multiple forms of reading. There have been studies that show that there are people who have to ingest their knowledge in different ways. And if you have to do it through your ears, do it. You're reading that book because you are getting the concept. You are listening to the characters. Um, yeah, that's mine. It's, I have like, I get very, very pissed off when people think like an audiobook is you're not reading, but it is. You are reading that book. Um, I think along the lines of that, Leah, also people who shame people who don't read as fast mm-hmm. as like mm-hmm. you do. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't care if Mike and I just had this discussion yesterday. He was talking about how I can't believe you're like, it was 60,000 words and it took me two and a half hours. And he's like, that would have taken me a month. I said, it doesn't matter. You're reading. And he just did an audiobook that was like 700 pages. He did Game of Thrones, all of those audiobooks in like 10 days. So, dude, you read fast. You just yeah. read different than I do. You're just doing, yeah, that's the thing. You're doing it in a different way. Like Michael, my Michael, he has like really, he cannot focus. Like he gets so like in his head, he like the words on the page, like he can read like maybe 10 or 15 before he's like thinking about something else because he's like constantly like mentally like cycling. And so like dude would do fine with an audiobook, but cannot physically sit and read a paperback or an ebook because he can't focus on it. Yeah. Um, okay. Bookish pet peeve for me is authors writing to trends. I want the story of your heart. I want the inspiration in your brain. I want those conversations those characters are having with you. And if it isn't a cute, quirky, small town romance, then it's not a cute, quirky, small town romance. If it's not a billionaire that has a praise kink, it's not a billionaire that has a praise kink. I don't need that. I just want your good, solid stories because the amount of books I read, I can tell the difference between if that was the story of your heart that you were inspired to write, or if that is a story where you were tracing a, tr- a trend. It's And it, it's getting worse mm-hmm. in the world of book influencing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, or can we also say taking your book that hasn't been written as a a trend like it's actually your book and you're trying to sell it as one of the trends (sighs) like i feel like that's even worse sometimes like especially if they're trying to get on steamy tiktok and your book only has maybe one steamy scene and so that's what you're pushing and pushing and pushing Mm -hmm. so my expectation level changes because of what because of this and what I've seen and then I read the book and, either, and like, you're let down 
and I'm let down because it was, that was the steamiest scene, or that was the only steamy scene, or that was the best scene in the book, like, and everything else is not up to that standard. Um, okay. What is your bookish toxic trait? So I will give mine. My toxic trait is if you as an author allow it to be okay for people to spoil your book and you laugh it off and think that it's a joke, I'm not reading you anymore. You are basically dead to me because you are more concerned with placating to your influencer team than you are to your reader base. That is a toxic trait. I'm a judgy bitch. Leah, do you have a toxic trait? Um, like I personally, as I have mentioned before, like I will come across a TikTok and be like, oh, that's a really good scene. So I'll download the book and go to that scene and see if the book is worth reading. And then I'll start at the beginning and then read through it. But if it isn't, then I'll put then I return it. And you're done. Because honestly, like, I feel like you can get a really good idea of like how a book is written by like a random chapter in the middle of it. And, and like Carolina said, a lot of times these authors are giving us those really good snippets, but it's the only good snippet of the book. And I have done it like four or five times where I've downloaded that book and I've read that scene. And then I went back and I read like one or two chapters and I clicked return because it was not worth my time. Carolina, do you have a toxic trait with books? They're not really like toxic, but um, I have this weird deed that I have to read a series in order. And I just, I cannot let it go. It takes a lot for me. There have been a couple book of books that were like book six in a series and I freaking curse everybody who picks those books because then I'm like shit how am I going to read the first five books to then read the sixth book like in time for book club like it it stresses me out and half the time I just read the book and then deal with it later and other times like I binge read because I just I have to read it in order you have to channel Becky just not I, give like, a fuck. oh it kills me and then one um toxic trait that I have too is and this is a pr- problem but it stems from it stems from an issue an experience that I never want to have happen again is when I was traveling and I didn't download the books to my kindle <laughs> before I got into my flight so now I down like I might have a two hour flight, but I've downloaded 10 books. So I am <laughs> definitely covered. Like I'm now go overboard. Well, but you never know if the Wi-Fi where you're going is going to be good either. I know. Because I, I, I ran out of books on and, my Kindle. So I had to read on my phone one time because I couldn't download the new ones. And so now every time somebody is traveling, I'm like, do not forget to download books to your Kindle before you leave your Wi-Fi. Do not like, and I go on this whole rampage and they look at me crazy. Because <laughs> uh, you are. True, though. <laughs> um, Heather, what's a bookish toxic trait you have? Um, I don't actually DNF books. Um, I like lie to myself. Um, so if I like just am not interested, I kind of like stop reading it and I pick something else up. And then it's if it's like on Kindle Unlimited, it's like Russian roulette with Kindle Unlimited. And I'm like, oh, I'll just probably come back to that. So I just kind of lie to myself. 
because I hate like I feel like I'm quitting um so you and- do dnf them you just don't <laughs> call it that no and I like, tell myself oh I'll just come back to it and then I don't ever you don't ever return to it come back to it That's no and DNF. also I'm like an, a mood reader too like I've been starting to um search for terms because like I am really tired I can't always do slow burns so then I like search for a few words that I would expect to be in my books and I want to see what chapter it's in and I've started searching for the word thrust to see how soon it happens because that's usually one word they always use so there's another Mm -hmm. one to add to your list I was trying to I was trying to share with Michael about the conversation we had Friday night about a book and that Carolina had read the word sweet in a couple of its reviews. And I was like, oh, you know, okay, well, let me search. So I searched and I found that on page 196, the words I tugged on his cock, tugging his cock. I knew that it was not a slow burn or sweet. sweet. It wasn't sweet. sweet. It was a slow burn, um, but it wasn't sweet, but it was only 225 pages. So the fact that it took a long time to get to yeah, any cock talking his cock is not going to be in a sweet romance <laughs> yeah. um so crisis averted there was the sex um jenny what is your bookish toxic trait oh i will like it's definitely like correlated with how high my anxiety is at the time i'm reading but i will read the last chapter or the epilogue first oh i guess that's- or i'll read read like three chapters like three seems to be my magic number and then I'm like gotta flip to the end yeah. I guess that's a toxic treat too I don't mm-hmm. read epilogues unless I absolutely have to to get the HEA there's like what <laughs> okay but if you guys think about it so we all love Sawyer Bennett right we've all read all mm-hmm. we've read a lot of her books right I think Jenny's read mm-hmm. a few maybe not as many as the rest of us but she's read a bunch she does not write epilogues she doesn't. I can only think of one book, book two in the Cold Fury series that has an epilogue. And that's, that's the one, true. the girl that has yeah. cancer. Yeah. And it's a phenomenal epilogue. It is a phenomenal epilogue. But if we think about it, we love her books, but she is able to write a concise and believable long-term HEA in her books. You don't you need also, an epilogue. She, she also does a really good job of giving you the extra the extra elements of like the engagements and the weddings throughout her series Mm -hmm. where not all Mm -hmm. authors do it so seamlessly yeah but i shouldn't need an epilogue and i definitely don't need a baby to believe in an hea no Mm -mm. because not everybody has a baby in their hea so i just for me if you can't sell me on a couple in what is considered the book which are the chapters that are numbered. And I have to read that epilogue to believe in your HEA. You didn't do a great job. That's fair. Now, if it's like a series epilogue, though, do you read those? Because Susan Stoker, when she finishes a series, her epilogue is basically like a roundup of what the characters have done over the past the next like 10 years so carrie and ryan wrote some extended epilogues for some of her montgomery series and stuff Mm -hmm. and i read those but i don't need them i just was curious those characters live rent free in my head i love them so much they're there 
So you'll just read them because you want to read more about them. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we know what Heather's answer is going to be on this, but what is reasons that will make you DNF a book? For me, it is coastal when referring to a Great Lake. <laughs> just so we all know, fair. yesterday I went to coastal Ohio. I went lakeside. Anyway. I, think, I do lakeside. think the road does say coastal trail, though. The Lake Erie Coastal Trail? Yeah. Yeah, but it's... But when you're going to Lake Erie, you're not saying I'm going to the coast. You say I'm going I to the lake. I live on Lake Erie. I don't... I, I just say... Right. You so say you live lake. on the coast? You have a coastal residence? Well, I'm, I'm on the river. Shouldn't that I mean, up your that is, property value? That's coastal. You're on the coast of the river. Okay. I th so what I'm really talking about <laughs> is when authors who don't live in... I don't think you have to live in a place that you write about, right? I don't think mm -hmm. you have to. But no. I think that there are certain words and certain non-occurs that need to take place and happen in order for the story to belie be believable that it takes place in that setting. For example, I read a hockey romance. The team is in New York. They all drive cars to the arena in New York City. They don't have drivers. They all drive their own cars. Now, I have... In New York City? Yeah. Yeah, no one's. Most and people I aren't driving. Have in New York City. been to Madison Square Garden. There's not a lot of parking. It's like several blocks away. And so, like, and this was a, it's a British author, writing an American sport in an American city, and I'm sure they used Google Maps and, but they just don't. Like, when I think New York City, I don't think anybody's really driving but taxi cab drivers and drivers, right? Yeah. For, like, a I mean, there's a player. handful. I feel like there's there's a handful that drive. But most anybody that I know that has lived in New York City, like, they are walking, riding, like, public transportation or in a taxi. And gated communities and housing communities for people that live in New York City are going to be out on the island. They're going to be out mm -hmm. in Far Rockaway. They're going to be out on Long Island. Or they're going to be up north, like in Greenwich, into, you know, the burbs. And so I struggle sometimes when an author will write, you know, like they lived in a gated mansion community, but they play hockey for New York. And it was only like, and they're all driving in 20 minutes to the you arena. Can't get you can't get in 20 minutes. a block in 20 minutes in New York City. Yeah. So that was, that's. That's a reason I'll DNF a book is if an author is writing something you don't necessarily know. Um, and I do know it. That will get me to DNF a book. Um, Carolina, what's some reasons you DNF a book? Um, so I was going back through my books that I have DNF'd and just like reading kind of my comments to see if there was trends or like threads on why I would do it. Um, there's just a general like a couple things happened. One, um, if I'm just not connecting with the characters for whatever reason, it could be that it's it's their something in their lives or like I just don't enjoy that genre. I think there was like a fashion one and I just really didn't feel like I was connecting to it. So I would like let it go. Um, or um, the other one was if you're telling me the characters are of a certain age like in their late 20s but they're acting like they're teenagers then like that immaturity level is just not matching 
then I'll let that go. Um, I, the, um, the other one is if the book fo ends up focusing more on the tropes versus like over indexes on the trope to make it, I think it goes back to like trying to write a trending story versus developing your characters and the connection and chemistry then I'm like okay this is not for me especially if um I think there was one book I should have I think I finished it but I should have just stopped because it became too predictable if it if it does it was like I think it was a rock star book and um an author that I read regularly and love and this particular book it was like oh no um you know, we have the assistant meddling. So this is what's going to happen. Oh no, this is happening. Oh yeah. That means like, like I could predict everything that was going to happen in the book. Um, it just is like, okay, yeah, no, I'm done. Yeah. Jenny, do you have reasons you DNF? I don't DNF very often. Um, I definitely like will struggle through the whole thing, but if, um, if I can't pay attention, then I DNF. So, like, it's got to be pretty bad. Like, <laughs> pretty bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> Leah, what are your reasons for DNFing? Um, me, like, I don't DNF very often. But if it's, if, like, I can't get past, like, editorial issues. Like, if they're, like, misspelled words everywhere and, like, blatant issues with proof, like, proofreading mm. issues, like, especially if they're an established author, like a newer author, I'll give them a little bit of grace for that because that stuff can be expensive. And if you're brand new, like you might not know like where to, where to look or where to find those things. But yeah, if it's, if the edit is really bad, then, then so I have a hard time getting past that. Or if I just, there's a lot of really too stupid to live vibes and I can't handle like, I've, I'm never going to like this character. It doesn't matter like what happens by the end of the book. A lot of times with that, but I'll just go to the end of the book just to see what happens, but I won't read like a good chunk of it. Yeah. Heather, you say you don't DNF, but are there reasons you'll put a book down and never go back to it, which is again, <laughs> DNFing. DNFing. I know. I told you I lied to myself. Um, <laughs> If it's moving too slow, like if it just feels like it's just, oh, I yeah. can't like wading through mud. Or if I don't like the characters, like if I, if I can't like you, mm -hmm. you're a fictional person, yeah. I mean, I should like you. I think chemistry will also cause me to DNF a book. Mm -hmm. Like I read a book recently by Julia Wolf and I was like 45% in and these two had no chemistry and it was so disappointing to me. And I'm just like, I don't see this. Um, and I actually had a conversation with Jen Ellen and she felt the same way. So I was like, okay. It's not just a me problem because mm -hmm. I am very much, if I'm in a grumpy headspace, it mm -hmm. will affect how I feel about a book. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we get to the everyone questions, I have to ask this question because I think that this is like Carolina and I might go to the mat. What one book boyfriend <laughs> will you go to the mat for and fight Everybody. to the death for to claim as yours? Everybody knows Becky's answer. Like it's not even like, He's mine, like, that wild is mine, like, there's no competition. But there is another one that I would fight uh -huh. Carolina for. 
Oh yeah, we are going to the mat. I have I know who you she's going to um, Okay, so Heather, who is the one book boyfriend you will go to the mat for and fight to the death to claim is yours? I only get one? For this conversation. <laughs> for this scenario. Farts. Um, Xavier Montgomery from Made for You by Natasha Madison. He is the grumpiest grump of grumpy. And he, the mental health rep, was just oh that book I is so good. Love him. So... I love him so much. I will cut a bitch for him. <laughs> and I would probably go to the NHL commissioner and probably trip him or something if they were gonna do anything to Xavier because I love him that much. <laughs> Leah, who is the one book boyfriend you will go to the map for and fight to the death to claim is yours? Um, Zane Lewis. He's one of my all-time favorites. He is mine. All all mine. What book is he from? I would he is from his book is Rest Recovering Ivy, Rescuing Ivy. I can't remember, but he's from the Red Team by Riley Edwards. I would say Jasper, but we all know that Amanda is Mrs. Jasper Walker and she would cut a bitch yeah. for Jasper. Uh-huh. So I love Zane. He is he is my ultimate. Okay. Jenny. Who is the one book boyfriend you will go to the map for and fight to the death to claim as your own? Um, Blake Carson from Warrior Blue by Kelsey Kingsley. Um, he just He's a very complex character and I related to him a lot. Did you know that Kelsey Kingsley and Britt Benson are writing besties? Oh, that explains a lot. They're author besties <laughs> to Suno. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, Carolina, I feel like we need like a knockout countdown and a bell ringing, but you might surprise me. Um, Who is the one book boyfriend you will go to the map for and fight to the death to claim as your own? Actually, I, well, it's a tough question. It is a tough question. Um, My latest one, I'm going to talk about my latest one because there's like a top five list, right? Right. My, my latest one is Cowboy Whiskey. Oh, damn yeah for uh, for the love of whiskey by melissa foster he's a good one but like close freaking second is i think the one becky's picking um so we all know that wild is mine no one can touch him i own him for his whole life he is mine uh but the one that i always feel like i have to like fight carolina for is gage haywood from gage by sawyer bennett because Mm -hmm. he's a really good one too i will fight you for that one too he is phenomenal um just swoony swoony men um okay so we had some of our listeners ask some questions and i grabbed a few of them so stacy asks if you could change anything in romance landia what would it be and why carolina yeah go heather um more kindness i think we have a lot of shaming not only against Mm -hmm. readers but I think there's a huge community of people shaming authors um, and deplorable behavior, not only in person, but online. And um, I think it's easy to be a keyboard warrior and not realize that you, your words mean something and there's a real person. Um, and people just need to stop being assholes, yeah. period. Just stop being an asshole. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, what's something you would change in Romance Landia? I'm similar to Heather like people just need to treat each other better um and I mean with the internet yeah 
it seems to be more like more prevalent or you just see it more like yeah yeah carolina do you have something you would like to change in romance landia um there's a couple things that come top of mind in that in the respect of um like i put like stop any bullying like and it, it's kind of this along the same lines just that different sentiment um you know be positive be inclusive be kind to people um the the other part is just more transparency um especially when it comes with influencers mm-hmm. um i you know it's it's tough cuz i work in marketing i work in social media so there's times where you're just you're watching something and you're watching the like you know somebody's trying to do it for the shock value or to try to get the trend and go viral and things like that and you so you start like as you look at it a little more and you like look at their content a little bit more and you're just like okay no um you know i i see what you're doing like yeah just be a lot more transparent about um i agree with that if you are getting some sort of sponsorship or you know make it more clear if like this is a promo versus a review like those are very different things you know if you're going to do a promo i have no problems with that just be clear about it yeah no, I agree. And we shared some information mm-hmm. last night at book club about how much one book talker is making for three videos and a book club pick. And today I had somebody in my DMs telling me they went and looked at that book talkers uh, thing and can tell that that author paid for that specific $20,000 package because she had three videos and was a book club pick. And it was like, there's no notes on this on those videos that say paid promotion or partnership promotion or sponsored or something sponsored. It's very frustrating. Um, okay. Leah, what's something you would like to change in romance landia? The need and the want and the expectation of the stuff. And it mostly goes Mm -hmm. to the influencers. Like they're like authors want you to talk about their books and I get that. But they're like, it feels like there are influencers who have this expectation where if you want me to talk about your book, you need to give me the stuff. I'm not going to read your book, but I want it so I can show it off. And it's, it's very frustrating. Like, I don't need the free books because if I'm going to read that author, I'm going to read it anyway. But it's like, there are people who are incessantly talking about authors, but they have a small following, so they don't get anything. But they will rave and talk about that author in their books every single time. But they don't get the stuff because they're not big enough. There is a consumerism mentality when it comes into influencers and the book Mm -hmm. world. And I think one of the things that we do really well as a community is for buzzing about romance is we definitely aren't so much into the stuff like our community kind of isolates us. I don't, you know, I can only think of one instant where we had to kind of correct somebody for some bullying and stuff, but for the most part, it's a fairly open accepting community. Mm -hmm. I I think. And if I'm wrong and you have different feels about us, please send me a message. I would really appreciate your feedback because in all honesty, I want this to be a safe space for romance lovers. Um, And the thing that I would change in Romance Landia is the transactional nature 
of our reviewing author relationship. Mm-hmm. I buy a lot of books. I am a reader on top of being a podcaster and working in publishing, but I'm only talking about this as a reader. I bought your book. I don't owe you a review. So if I only go into Goodreads or Amazon from my Kindle and put like three stars and don't write a review, it's okay. I can do that. I verified my purchase. I read it in Kindle Unlimited or I bought the book. And I don't owe you to tell you why I only gave your book two stars, right? Um, And I get very, very frustrated, especially being on Bookstagram, where you see the authors put the posts, how to support an indie author, you know, leave a review, tell a friend about a book, share on your social media. It makes your reading become a chore and transactional. And I don't want that. I don't want those transactional feels. I want to talk about the books I love. Um, you know, I was lucky. I received an arc of something unexpected from Vi Keelan. She sent me a book. It was very sweet and very kind of her. But my review was very honest. I was not going to, I'm not, I get other books in the mail and I don't talk about them, right? Like I do the unboxing and I'll make one or two snippets about it, but I don't gush about it, right? Um, but I just wish that we could get rid of the transactional nature and the constant feel that like we owe author something as a reader. Well, and something too, it's the fact that I wish authors, I get it that authors put their hearts into these things, but not everybody is going to love your book. Like a two-star review is just because it not necessarily it is not necessarily an attack against you and nine times out of ten it isn't an attack against you is because that person did not connect with something that you put out there like i went to art school sitting through critiques was one of the most stressful and like worst days because your professor and your classmates would sit there and pick apart everything they hated about your artwork and it's like you spent hours and hours putting this in front of like making this creation and they will tear it apart heather without when you thought. were getting your education degree did you have to do practicums like your uh student or your lesson plans and stuff like that and then submit them to your mentor um six and then also as a teacher i have to have a peer mentor come in and observe me teach every year And then literally one of the questions is like, what did you do wrong? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I sometimes think that many of these authors need to go through a peer review because like I went, I've been in art class with a critique. I've been in. I wanted to cry every day. Like we went through critiques. I was in speech, a competition speech in high school and college. And you get some of those feedbacks from your speech and you thought you nailed it. Like you had all your points and your posture was good and your presentation was good and your voice was great. You were really proud of yourself. And then you read your score and your outcome and you're like, fuck. Like, (laughs) but you don't go up to your author and be like, or you don't go up to your um, evaluator and take a picture and then go to the internet and be like, you're an ass. I hate mm-hmm. you. No, you go sit in your car and cry. And cry. Private like I did. Or you just 
paint right over it and start over again because I've done that before too when I was told it was shit the other piece like with what everyone else is saying too is I there have been several authors that I love read I will review you you know I I if you put it out I'm buying it Mm -hmm. and then when the influencers started to come out you would send them all this stuff influencers would get on TikTok and talk about a book and it was so clear to me as a person who read the book that they didn't read the book and mm-hmm. there they're standing with it and they're like oh so and I'm like you didn't even read the blasted book yeah what um okay so Karen asks who were the first three authors you read and what do you remember loving about those books and this can be any book it doesn't have to be a romance because I have always been a reader um, and personally like E.B. White and Charlotte's Web. But my favorite book is the Trumpeter Swans book that he wrote. Like that is my favorite of his books. Um, but I remember consuming the um, Babysitter Club and mm-hmm. every month, mm-hmm. you know, you get your scholastic orders and I'd come home and I was one of four children and, um, you know, I got one book, but I was like, can I have two there? I need two books. (laughs) Um, So do you remember some of your first books and why you loved those stories or what made you love reading? Jenny, do you remember? Oh, Heather does. No, go ahead. I thought I was also a babysitter's club reader. Uh And I think it was like, they were like me, like their friends were like me. They lived in a neighborhood like mine. They were. I was Team Logan all the way. Mm -hmm. When they broke up, I cried. Mm -hmm. Carolina, do you remember what books sparked your love of reading? Yeah, there's um, some different ones. It. I always. um, I grew up like my parents read to me at night, and so there was a lot of those books growing up. But the like one of the first books I have the clearest memory on of like okay, I get it because I'm reading on my own. It's my choice. It's not part of a bedtime routine was actually um, Willy Wonka and their, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy mm-hmm. Wonka and the Chocolate mm-hmm. Factory um, because I was just so like captured by like, you know, transported by this place. Um, but I also, you know, Babysitter's Club was on there. Um, was it Sweet Valley High or yeah. Valley, Sweet, yeah, Valley. Sweet Valley High series? Um, it, because of those, like, I like that's where my love of series comes in because you're just reading one after the other um and I was the kid I loved when we had the scholastic book fair at school because we could go like you had the list but then you can go like our library was transported to like make a look like a mm-hmm. bookstore which was so much fun um and then you know you get into like I didn't do a lot of like pleasure reading in high school um or even like in the beginning of college but then um Harry Potter series like became huge and crazy and I was kind of late to that game but it became part of my routine of like that break in college of reading and being transported because I'd read it on the bus ride from my apartment to campus and it was just like I would lug the books the hardback books you know in my backpack with me because you had to wait for the paperbacks yeah because I wanted to read them as they released and so those are the types of ones that it was like, I was finding every like pocket of time. Oh, I had 10 minutes. I'm whipping out my book. 
um, which is a lot of like now I can tell when I really love books is because I'm like, oh, I have two minutes. Um, I don't have my Kindle, but it's on my app on my phone. Like <laughs> I will find every second of everything to read the books. Yeah. Uh, Leah, do you remember what sparked your love of reading and so the authors? I've, I've always read. I always read a lot as a kid. Like I was a big fan of like the Ramona books and like Judy Bloom, Beverly Cleary, all of those. But I was a huge tomboy growing up also. I mean, such a surprise to anybody who knows me, I'm sure. But um, so Matt Christopher has this whole like sports series and I like devoured those like as a little kid. But honestly, like I started reading like my mom's books really early. So I was like seventh grade reading like all of her Mary Higgins Clark like books. And, oh, yeah. But she had some really great stories and like we've read a lot of Stephen King and all of those like I had such eclectic tastes growing up because my brother was a big fan and like my entire family were big readers and so it was like we had a variety but that like helped. we did the Nancy Drews and the Trixie Beldens like that because those are always good mysteries uh Jenny do you know what books um, yeah I remember going to like I could still map out my childhood library because I just like went from like shelf to shelf like it was like American Girl, Babysitter, um, Girls, yeah. <gasps> yeah, Drew, Sweet Valley High and then um, there was a series when I was in high school called Sweet Valley High Senior Year and I read those as they came out so I was like the people at the bookstore had to hate me because like as soon as it was the first of the month like I was calling every day like hey do you have this book yet do you have this book yet and yeah um, sometimes it would take two weeks before you get the book it's really interesting I would say that from middle school forward a lot of my memories are somehow associated with books with you know parts that I remember and being happy about and excited about it you know was books something somehow books um so it's not shocking that we ended up here um does anybody remember their first romance your first adult romance title do you remember your first my first was the conquest by julie or uh jude Devereux. jude Devereux, the conquest it's medieval it's a play he's a knight and she has disguised herself as his page and so um, he's attracted to his page and has to question why he's attracted to a boy. Anyway. My, my first romance, my mom got the Harlequin books in the mail, like the four books. So I don't, I couldn't tell you what book it was or there was, it was a boat, there was a boat involved. And that's, that's all I can tell you. But I devoured those bad boys. Heather, do you remember your first adult romance? Well, like, would it be like Twilight? I don't know. No, that's not an adult romance. I feel like I did a lot of reading of like women's fiction mm -hmm. up until about, you know, 2017, probably. Okay. Like Kristen Hanna, all of that. Yeah. You know, and then I think I probably, I don't want to say accidentally, but I got like a Kristen Callahan book. It was like the football series, and I was like, "What is this? Like, I'm down for this. Like, <laughs> it's a great series. I want more. <laughs> yeah. No, I I see that. I um 
I read all of those Janet Ivanovich books, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, me too. Um, Carolina, do you remember your first adult romance? Um, I kind of came in later. I don't, I kind of looked, I looked through, I don't know that it's like my first romances, um, but I looked through my old like KU um, history and like some of the early ones that I read were from like Lauren Blakely and Jessica Prince and Alexa Riley are ones that I discovered first. Um, I have a more distinct, um, and I don't know how like accurate this is, but in my mind, the first like series that I binged and I realized like, oh, this could like, this is a whole thing. Like, you could have a like many romance authors write series was um Sawyer Bennett's Cold Fury series and I like I binged that whole thing I went same down that rabbit hole hard um same and then I ended up over with Kelly Jameson and then I found Helena Hunting and hockey romance and yeah yeah because I was like there's sports romance oh my gosh so funny um well and i then i went down like and then it was like the authors have backlists i could read other stuff um the one that her lawyer series and i just i started just going down through the whole thing yeah uh jenny do you remember your first i don't remember my first i remember like I definitely had that period of time where like school took over and I was not reading for pleasure. Um, and then I remember like I got on the twilight train late. Um, but like, yeah, like I read those and then I kind of fell into fan fiction because it was free and easily accessible. Um, and then I kind of followed some of those authors like, Hey, they're writing their own stories. Why am I not reading those instead? Um, and now we're here. Um, so I had a question directly to me, and I'm going to answer it really, really quick. Um, the question was, can you tell me how about how you turned your love of reading into a business? Okay, first of all, we have to first say this. Um, the podcast itself does not make any money. <laughs> uh, because of Patreons and listeners like you, we are able to keep the podcast coming. Um, and really, Mike Burrier. <laughs> It's the reason we keep the podcast coming. Um, but as far as copy editing, proofreading, and developmental edits, I lucked into a copy editor position with a vanity press, which was a big thing from 2014 to 2018. Um, it was where someone paid to have their book published. And I got a job as um, a formatter and then, um, copy edits. And I lucked into that. The publishing company was called Naughty Bird Publishing, but I actually applied for a job at Home Shopping Network because I could work from home as a customer service rep. Um, so I just lucked into it. Um, I am currently off contract from Big Pub right now. So I'm just out there scrounging for, um, pick me up jobs until I know what I'm going to do this fall. And, um, but honestly, if you want more information about, you know, doing copy edits, 
developmental edits, paid beta reading and stuff like that, feel free to DM me and I can kind of direct you uh, where to go. But I don't make a lot of money, guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So guess what, guys? It's that time. That time. For, for book, book of the week. week. It is book of the week time. Carolina, what is your book of the week? My book of the week is Something Unexpected by Mike Elin. I know it was probably Becky's book of the week a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's worth it, though. It's I so am so glad she made me read it. I'm like, this book you're you're going to marinate on. Yeah. Um, Heather, what's your book of the week? Well, um, I don't know. I have a whole bunch <laughs> downloaded. So the one I'm going to pick up tonight is Ravaged by Passion by B.B. Hamill. Um, it is part of the Mafia series. It's four brothers, book four in the series. Okay. Very good. Leah, what's your book of the week? Um, I actually, it's a series. I found a new author. Her name is Hadley Finn. Um, it's The series is called The Rangers. Book one of the series was actually in Susan Stoker's um, Operation Alpha World. Um, and then I just kind of went down the rabbit hole. I'm reading her. She doesn't have a ton. Like she, I think she only has five books in her whole backlist, but and then I'm reading the first book she wrote called Priestly Sins. It's about a priest and like the mafia. And it's actually very entertaining, but yeah. So Hadley Finn, she's new to me author. Very good. Okay. Jenny, what's your book of the week? Um, I'm currently reading The Nanny by Laura Ferguson. It's a trad pub book. Um, I was able to pick it up from the library. Um, and I think it's only her second book. It's um, it's an interesting concept. She's a nanny, but she was formerly like a cam girl and he was her biggest supporter. Oh. They don't know that. That's Rachel awkward. Besting. Okay. Wow. Hmm. So sex work hidden identity yes lots of things in there fascinating um <laughs> so my book of the week is mine to take by natasha madison she is back into her southern wedding series this is a second chance romance it is the first of her hockey crossover into her southern series um and not only do you get the shenanigans of the Grant Petroff um, crazy family stuff, you also now get um, Sophie's Southern family over the top antics. And they mm -hmm. are a hoot. And this book is a delight. And I am desperate for the next book in this series because it's a fucking secret baby, you guys. Secret baby. It's gonna be really good. Anyway, so that's uh that's the one that'll come out at the end of September. Mm -hmm. So Mind to Take by Natasha Madison. Um okay, so Patreon update. Swag packs are headed out and should be hit, have hit mailboxes. I'm so excited to share that our swag pack sponsors for July are Susan Stoker, Gina Azee, and Kaylee Ryan. This was one of our biggest swag packs ever. If you join our Patreon in the swag pack tier 
anytime before August 1st, you will receive this swag pack. It had stickers and can cozies and a reading card from us and I don't know, all sorts of great things. So um, this is not one to miss out. And then um, thank you to our sponsoring authors, but I wanted to also let people know what books by those authors they should be reading. Um, so first up, Gina Aziz. Does anyone have a favorite Gina Aziz title? Go ahead, Heather. Um, the Boston Hack series, The Defender. That's on my list too. <laughs> so good. I mean, it's very emotional. She's the nanny. He's a widower. There's children that are amazing. And it's so good. Yeah. So good. Um, Carolina, what's your top Gina Aziz pick? It's also from the Boston and hawk series i mean really just read the series because it's all like four or five star reads um but i'm picking book two book three the faker um so it's got a little fake relationship um is that easton's you know, book uh no his is no, book two his is book two is no this one is torsten oh um yes torsten yeah, so more, I think it's actually Marriage of Convenience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and he's at the end of his career. Um, so that's super interesting. And there's a lot of layers that come into it after um, great, great connection. You know, two friends that they help each other out because it benefits both of them. That's such a good book. Mm -hmm. um, okay, does anyone have a Kaylee Ryan pick? Um, I love uh, Never With Me with by such her. A good it book. actually is the cousin of the, what are the Kincaid the, brothers. The Kincaid brothers. Yeah. So it kind of introduces that family as a whole, but the hero is, he is so sweet and she's had some trauma and the way he deals with that and just the way that the book plays out. I just really, really love it. I really like her. I mean, Lindsay, of course, would be talking about her baseball series, Beyond the Bases. Mm -hmm. It's such a great series. But I actually really liked her Riggins brothers. If you guys haven't read that, there are five brothers that work together um, in a logistics company, billionaires, but they fall hard. I think every single one of them falls first for their women. And the one, I think it's book four, she owns a bakery and he pursues her. He keeps showing up every day to buy baked goods until she'll give him his her number. So it's so cute. And I cannot recommend that series enough. Um, and then our last, but certainly not our least, uh, sponsor is Susan Stoker. So who has a favorite Susan book? Uh, all of them. All of them. <laughs> but... Um, actually, I do have some favorites, though. So her um, Refuge series is a little bit different than anything she's written before, but they are emotional. They will tear you apart, like this, the backstories of these people and just the way that the stories play out. They're just really, they're really well done. And like the whole premise is like dealing with PTSD, but it's not just in military. It is everybody across the board and how every human being can have PTSD. And it's this rant, it's this like refuge where if you have PTSD or mental issue, mental health issues that you can go and go do therapy and all these things. It's, it's just a really well done series. Um, Heather, what's your favorite Susan Stoker? 
Well, my favorite series of hers is Silverstone Tire, um, but actually my favorite book in the series is book two, um, Trusting Taylor, and she has a very interesting disorder. She doesn't recognize faces um, and how that impacts her in her daily life. It's just very well written. It's very interesting, um, and it's Kindle Unlimited, but it's Whisper Sync. Yeah. So. Highly recommend. Um, Rachel and I did a quick shot of that one as well. If you would like to listen to that. Um, okay, so swag packs go out to Fancy Drinks, Cold Brew, and Queen Bee tier. We still have fun buzzing about romance exclusive stickers, mood reading cards, and other fun things. These are mailed monthly, usually around the fifth of the month, and we do ship these internationally. There is no wait time on this perk. It kicks in as soon as you join. Um, because of our amazing, amazing Patreons, we are able to bring you three episodes a week, and we are still working on our goal of 75 members so that we can host our first ever book retreat. All members of the Patreon get exclusive episodes along with perks like Buzzing Book Club. Um, and our August Buzzing Book Club author is Aurora Rose Reynolds, and we are reading For Never, um, which is a great standalone. You don't have to worry about binging six books. <laughs> before you read the book club pick it's absolutely stands alone um thanks becky you're welcome it's and we're a good book we're also finishing up our summer reading challenge it is a scaled back version but still lots and lots of fun and you can find details on our website for that it ends on july 31st and the weekend before it ends we are hosting our first ever buzzing about romance summer slumber party in our discord um and we have lots of fun authors dropping in to do giveaways and talk about their books. It's going to be fun. We're going to play book cover bingo. Um, and you can find a list of all of our events at bookcaseandcoffee.com. Events include happy hours, IG Live, and of course, book club. Um, thank you, everyone, for hanging out and answering all the questions tonight. It's a good time. Anytime. Um, until next time, everyone. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.